Hi, everybody. This is Gary Sandy, and thank you very much for listening to the WKRP cast. So just sit right down, relax, open your ears real wide, and say... Weather today in the greater Cincinnati area. Are you awake? Whoa! Are you awake now? But the senator, while insisting he was not intoxicated, could not explain his nudity. Say what? Dear God, she's going to kill us all. Welcome to the WKRP cast. My name is Donna Stair. And I'm her husband, Alan. This is a week-by-week, episode-by-episode rewatch. We're getting into the music, the trivia, and the fun of WKRP. So, fellow babies, don't touch that dial. It's time for the WKRP cast. I'm at WKRP in Cincinnati. Welcome back to another WKRP cast. It's time to fire up the Cordoba. We're headed for Dayton. What is our episode, Donna? We're talking about Hotel Ocean View. The air date was the 29th of November, 1980. Written by Stephen Campman, story editor Lisa Levin, executive story consultants Steve Marshall and Dan Gunselman, directed by Rod Daniel. WKRP books two suites at the Hotel Ocean View in Dayton to entice Vicky Von Vicky Jeans to advertise on the station. Andy has problems with the slide projector. Mr. Carlson worries about the Dayton poisoner and whether he'll be the next victim. Herb is pleasantly surprised when Ms. Vicky's personal assistant comes on to him. His happiness is short-lived when he finds out her secret. This episode is about a radio station pitching a national manufacturer and retailer in order to try and get their advertising. This makes for a fun episode of WKRP, but it's not a situation that would ever really happen. Radio stations don't pitch major manufacturers, especially when the radio station we're talking about is number 16 in an 18-station market. Hugh Wilson's background in Atlanta was at an advertising agency. An episode like this one or the Ferryman commercial break episode are both really situations that would involve an ad agency, not a radio station. Ad agencies would normally pitch an advertiser like Vicky Von Vicky. If the agency can get the business, they then take the advertiser's budget and spend it on radio and TV stations throughout the country. The agency also handles creative development for the spots. No major manufacturer would or even could meet with every tiny radio station from every market. The idea that the gang would meet with someone on par with Calvin Klein or Gloria Vanderbilt is fun, but it would never really happen in the real world. Let's get into the episode. We start out in the lobby. We find Jennifer watering the plant. She spends a lot of time working on those plants. We hear Les's voice coming over the monitor. And so in summary, this German piggy went to the common market. This Chinese piggy stayed home. This Soviet piggy had turkey. And our American piggy had none. This is Les Nesman saying, wee, 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 all the way home. Good day and made a good... Jennifer turns the volume down on the monitor. Now, Les is, as usual, spewing a scattershot mix of politics and history. 
We caught a couple of things. This German piggy went to the common market. Germany joined the European Economic Community, or European Common Market, in 1958. This Soviet piggy had turkey. The previous month, in September of 1980, Turkey experienced a major coup launched by military generals. Following the coup, factions of the Turkish government with ties to the Soviets were seeking economic and military support from Russia. No offense, Les, but news should not be this hard to decipher. It's also weird that so many of Les's references are from the 50s. He's stuck back in that it's time like period. It's like he's a time traveler yeah. from there. So Art comes out of his office. He tells Jennifer he is ready to leave. Andy and Herb went down to get the Cordova. Have you remembered everything? <laughs> Cordoba is idling downstairs. <laughs> So Jennifer gives Art a rundown of what's happening so he'll know and so we'll know. You're driving to Dayton, yeah. where you'll be staying at the luxurious Hotel Ocean View. In Dayton. Uh-huh. And you'll meet with Vicky Von Vicky at 7 p.m. The name of the hotel is, of course, a joke about how far Ohio is from an ocean. This is not the first time we've had a joke on WKRP about Ohio's distance from the nearest ocean. Although Dayton is slightly further east than Cincinnati, it's still a solid 600 miles from Atlantic <laughs> City and the nearest ocean view. You'd need a really high floor. <laughs> so Art is looking confused. Now, Jennifer, tell me again, why am I making this trip to Dayton? <laughs> Jennifer tells him the Vicky Von Vicky Jeans account can make the station a lot of money. And making money can be fun and cheerful. <laughs> Les comes running into the lobby. And now a special look at this episode's bandage placement for the five-time Buckeye Newshawk Award winner, Les Nessman. This is the Les Nessman Bandage Report. Now here's Donna Stair with her report about Les Nessman. Entire right wrist. This has been a look at the bandage placement for Silver Sow and Copper Cobb award-winning journalist Les Nessman. Les tells Art he wanted to wish him a safe and successful mission to Dayton. Art thanks Les. Dayton is where Mother lives. And boy, he suddenly reverted to six years old there, didn't he? He got that look on that his little, face. Yeah, that Mother. little warm look. He tells Carlson goodbye, and then he adds... Beware of the Dayton poisoner. <laughs> Way to get threatening on us. So Les disappears through the door leading to the studio and the bullpen. Love American South. Herb enters through the front lobby door, and he's singing at the top of his lungs. He is fired up. Hooray for the red, white, and blue. Oh, oh, oh. Hey, big guy, come on, let's go. The Cordoba is warmed up and ready to cruise. Carlson asks Herb to take <laughs> his suitcase down to the car. Herb picks up the suitcase. Okay. Oh, uh, by the way, BG, Andy Deb shotgun, but you'll be sitting in the back seat with four speaker units and three square yards of real Corinthian leather. Talk about fun. See you, Blondie. <laughs> Jennifer rolls her eyes and picks up her magazine. I love how he has taken big guy now and abbreviated that. We got AC yes. for Art Carlson. They've done that one. Now BG. Now BG <laughs> for big guy. Herb entered singing the theme to anthology series Love American Style. Love American Style ran from 1969 until 1974 on ABC. It was an hour-long anthology of comedic vignettes about love, sex, and romance 
produced by Paramount Television. The first year of the show, the theme was sung by the Cowsills. Love American style, truer than the red, white, and blue. I had no idea about that, and I love the Cowsills. Yeah, they're out there doing a little bit, picking up a little bit of ching on the TV show. I'm wondering if maybe something went wrong, uh, the Cowsills wanted more money or something, because they only sang it that first season. The next four seasons, the same theme was recut by the Ron Hicklin singers. Love American style, truer than the red, white, and blue. Now, you probably don't know that name, but the Ron Hicklin singers were Cowsills, Soundalikes, who also provided the singing voices for the Partridge family. the lobby and he heads over to the coffee machine. He grabs the coffee pot and starts to pour coffee into his mug, but the coffee pot's empty. Mm, boy, rumors flying all over town. You know, you, Andy, Herb, just slipping down to Dayton there in some sleazy hotel room. I don't want to say anything. It's none of my business, but my feeling is these love triangles never work out. Carlson <laughs> glares at Johnny and tells him to get out of the lobby. Keep the riffraff out of the lobby. Johnny puts his arm around Carlson and continues his goofy monologue. And rest assured, for the duration of your sojourn, I will play nothing but mellowed out drug-oriented Hindu music. <laughs> just a few of the Christian neo-acid rock tunes thrown in. They're coming into vogue now. Fever in the forefront. Bearing proudly the banner of KRP. You can rest assured, nothing to worry, nothing to worry about, sir. Jennifer, I love you. I want to father your children. Let's take a long lunch and discuss it, okay? Coffee is definitely kicking in for Johnny. I think it's probably a good thing that pot's empty. I think he's the one that emptied it. He might have been. Well, and I also have an observation about that. Did you ever notice how Johnny heads to the coffee pot in the bullpen when the scene is happening in there? But he comes all the way out to the lobby when the action is happening in the lobby. He wants to be lobby. where the action is. Yeah, he wants he to just... be where the camera is. <laughs> so those caffeine jitters take us right into our theme. WKRP in Cincinnati. We come back to the hotel. Carlson, Andy, and Herb are rearranging furniture in their hotel room. They're all wearing blue jeans with a big VV embroidered on the back right pocket. And that is hilarious. I love that (laughs) visual of the VV. The logo is prominently displayed by Herb (laughs) as he's bending over, putting a lamp on the floor. Boy, I feel stupid in these jeans. (laughs) Carlson is tugging and pulling on his jeans. Herb says he does too. But it's smart business to use the client's product. Herb pulls at a wedgie as he says this. And as Herb's pulling at that wedgie, I think it's time. Herb Darling, fashion alert. Long-sleeved orange checkered dress shirt, blue knit vest, all tucked neatly into his Vicky Von Vicky <laughs> jeans. A pale brown tie with his signature white belt and white shoes. And just like in the pilot, 
It's the tuck that makes this outfit the work. The tarlic The tarlic tuck. We've got the tarlic knot. We've got now the, the, the tarlic and... tuck, the shirt and yes. the sweater right down into the <laughs> pants. That has got to be so uncomfortable. It, it looks like it would be. So Andy is setting up a slide projector. He tells them both they need to focus. He wants to go through the presentation one more time. Putting one foot up. In the seat of a cushioned chair, because Andy cannot keep his feet off the furniture, he delivers <laughs> his speech to Herb and Art. No matter how silly Vicky Von Vicky's name may be, her genes are worth $100,000 in advertising revenue to us. And Herb and Art look at each other, both exhaling. Now, this episode reflects the insanity of the designer jeans craze of the late 1970s and early 80s. Prior to the late 1970s, jeans were made by Levi's or Wrangler, and they were worn by kids, farmers, and hippies. Fashion designers ignored denim. All that changed in the late 1970s. Gloria Vanderbilt put her name on a line of tighter-than-tight designer jeans in 1979. They're my new stretch denim jeans, and they are a pleasure to wear. I used a special Marjani fabric with just enough give, so they feel simply wonderful on, and they fit like... Like the skin on a grape. Stretch denims that feel as fantastic as they fit. Gloria Vanderbilt stretch denims for Marjani. Jordash hit the airwaves in early 1980 with a seemingly topless model wearing Jordash jeans. Day or night, Jordash has the Jordash Then came a 15-year-old model named Brooke Shields. Her 1980 photo shoot with Richard Avedon promoting Calvin Klein jeans shifted the designer jeans craze into overdrive. You want to know what comes between me and my Calvins? Nothing. Calvin Klein jeans. By 1983, more than 70 different designer jeans brands were clogging retailer shelves. So did you have designer jeans in the late 70s? I was a freshman in college, and I had a college body. So yeah, I had, <laughs> I had some Gloria Vanderbilt's high-waisted, very tight, but big bells. I remember having a couple of designer jeans for guys that the waist was way too low. There was just no room from crotch to waist was like four inches. You had no, and I was never comfortable in them. I bet you were always tugging. Did Always pulling them up. Didn't wear them very often. Andy threw out that 100,000 number for the Vicky Von Vicky account. Sometimes the numbers on WKRP don't add up if you look at them closely at all. We're assuming this is an annual contract. Now, since all WKRP has to sell is the 1 a.m. signal, we did a quick breakdown on that budget. Divided by 12, it's about $8,300 a month. Divide that by 30, it's about $280 a day. We know Ferryman was paying $20 a spot, so this means if Vicky makes this buy, WKRP will be running 14 gene spots per day, day in, day out, for an entire year. Now, in advertising, frequency works, but this level of frequency is a little nuts. The door to the hotel room opens and a staff person comes in pushing a mobile bar with a small tray of fruit on top. He asks them where they would like him to set up. Andy suggests over by the window. I don't work with my back to windows. I work that corner or this corner. <laughs> 
Why did he ask? <laughs> Mickey tells them he has to be gone by 10. He asks who the client is. Herb proudly tells him that it's Vicky Von Vicky. Fine, how drunk you want her to be? Carlson gets a stern look and he tells Mickey no one is getting drunk. Andy tells Mr. Carlson just to relax. I love how Mickey just suddenly has taken over the scene. It's all about Mickey. And it's not surprising, Mickey is being played by Larry Hankin. Larry is a legendary comic actor and, no surprise, The Committee Connection. Larry was a member of the San Francisco-based improv troupe The Committee, where he performed with Howard Hessman. We've pointed out the workaholic nature of committee members before. Larry is no exception. He has has 195 acting credits on his IMDb profile, and a few of those are currently in production. Larry was born in 1937. He first appeared on TV in an episode of That Girl in 1966, and he's still working. Of those nearly 200 credits, Larry's probably best known as cranky downstairs neighbor Mr. Heckles on Friends. He also appeared in the Seinfeld episode where Jerry was casting the pilot. Larry Hankin played the show-within-a-show version of Kramer. In reality, Larry David wanted Larry Hankin to play the Kramer part that eventually went to Michael Richards. Herb walks over to the bar and he asks Mickey if he makes those rum drinks with the little umbrellas. Yeah, but only for women. That's how I feel. Andy doesn't want anything, and Mr. Carlson asks for something with a little fruit in it. Andy wants to go over the plan one more time. He's all business. He talks things through. Vicky arrives. We all have a drink. We chat. We chat. Vicky chats. Mickey offers his advice. Snacks would be nice. Snacks are always nice. <laughs> <laughs> Snacks are always nice. Good good call, Mickey. Herb tells them they just need to come across with the charm. And he says once they're all comfortable and relaxed. And I give a brilliant slideshow presentation showing in graphic detail why Vicky Von Vicky should advertise with us over any other station in the Cincinnati area. Herb interrupts Andy. As executive sales manager, I still think that I should give the presentation. No surprise that this was coming. They're fighting over who gets to do this. Herb <laughs> takes the slide projector remote from Andy. Andy takes the remote right back. He says his presentation voice is nearly perfect. Herb grabs the remote saying sales is his territory. Yeah, well, it's my projector, it's my slides, and it's my remote clicker. No one, I repeat, no one uses my remote clicker. Yeah, it's Andy's football, and he's going to take it and go home if you don't let him play the way he wants to. <laughs> so Herb tells him clicker or no clicker, it's wrong. And did you notice Andy's remote clicker has a cord attached to it. Yeah, it's remote as long as you don't go further than about six feet. <laughs> we have come a long way in 40 years. Yeah, these days you could run it off your phone from the parking lot. You wouldn't <laughs> even have to be in the room. Carlson is sitting at the bar. Guys, what am I supposed to do? Mickey has the answer. He is stirring a fruity <laughs> drink with his finger. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you swallow this? He says, swallow this. Yeah, swallow like, this. So much of what Mickey does is kind of threatening, and it sounds he's dark. He's messing and, with Carlson's head, oh, I think. Oh, he is. He tells Carlson it has fruit in it. Carlson asks him if he'll like it. Well, I don't know, Art, but I do know one thing. It's got fruit in it. <laughs> <laughs> and that right there, for some reason, it's just so dumb. But when he says it's got fruit in it, I laugh every time. That was an honorable mention for line of the episode right there. We hear a knock at the door. A tall, attractive woman walks in, and she suddenly responds to Herb. Herb Tarlick, 
My God, it's Herb Tarlick. Herb gives a smile. I'm Nikki Sinkler, Vicky Von Vicky's assistant. Herb introduces Nikki to Art and Andy. Nikki is being played by Linda Carlson. Linda is an American actress who was born in May of 1945 in Knoxville, Tennessee. Her very first acting gig, she landed a series. Linda played Dr. Janet Cottrell on the series West Side Medical for 13 episodes in 1977. Right before doing WKRP, she'd come off the series Kaz, where she did 23 episodes. Unfortunately, Kaz only lasted 23 episodes. <laughs> Linda has 43 acting credits, but many of those are for recurring parts over multiple episodes. During this time, Linda was married to Philip Charles McKenzie. Does that name ring a bell? He played Doug Winner in the first season episode, Johnny Comes Back. Philip and Linda divorced in 1989. Herb offers to get Nikki a drink. She declines, but then she sees Mickey... The bartender. Oh, hi, Mickey. Hi, Nikki. How's Vicky? Vicky's fine, Mickey. Poisoner still loose, Mickey? Well, for the time being, Nikki. Well, you two, uh, you know each other? Dayton's a very small town, but that's another story. And I'm sure as soon as they came up with the name Vicky Von Vicky, that's when all this icky stuff happened. <laughs> so Nikki apologizes and says that Vicky is running late today. Confidentially, she's been in New York all day closing out a major deal with a major, major department store. But she's back and on her way over in a major big car. But this seems a bit weird. Nikki knows Mickey and Vicky is returning from New York. It sounds like Dayton is maybe the home office for Vicky Von Vicky Jeans. If the main offices are in Dayton, why meet in a hotel? Well, we figured the hotel meeting in a different city was because Vicky is traveling around the country, picking strategic spots and meeting with area stations. This is one of those times where WKRP plays fast and loose with logic if it gets in the way of a good story. Yeah, you know, it's more fun to have them in the hotel where you can bounce around from suite to suite than to have them go into the corporate offices. Right. So. Now, Nikki mentioned Dayton's a small town. In 2019, the population of Dayton was about 140,000. That's not bad, but it is small when you compare it to 385,000 for Cleveland and 301,000 for Cincinnati. Andy points out the fact that they're all wearing Vicky Von Vicky blue jeans. Yes, I see. How cute. <laughs> a little tight in the crotch, but... <laughs> <laughs> Nikki points her finger at Herb, and she tells him they've met before. Impossible. I never forget a face, especially one as lovely as yours. Oh, you flatter me. Wow, Herb is laying it on thick. Herb tells Nikki he has some promotional packages back in his suite. Uh, did I tell you that we took two suites? No, you didn't, but I'm very impressed. Thank you again. <laughs> Yeah, Herb is really making his move, and Nikki is up for it. Yes. She keeps moving closer and closer to Herb. Herb suggests the two of them stroll on down to his suite. And actually, they were getting to that point where you'd say, get a room. <laughs> Herb's got one. My personal suite. <laughs> and I think Herb is shocked that Nikki's going for it. Usually he doesn't have good luck with women. No. <laughs> Together. You know, just the two of us alone. Together. 
And Nikki tells her, that sounds like a great idea, but she wants to freshen up in the powder room before they head out. Now don't you move, I'll be right back. Nikki disappears into the bathroom. Herb turns around. (laughs) He's looking at Andy and Mr. Carlson. His mouth is wide open and he's got this, can you believe this expression? (laughs) Andy rolls his eyes, shaking his head. And Mr. Carlson suddenly becomes like a father figure and walks over to Herb. You disappoint me, Herb. Herb tries to redeem himself. Trust me, big guy. Just trust me. I mean, I charm Nikki. Nikki gets us in with Vicky. You're sleazy. I'm smart. I'm ready. Let's go. Herb sticks his head back in the door and tells them, to trust him. They are home free. You're dead if you're not back in 10 minutes. Which brings us to... The line of the episode. 10 minutes, that's about right. (laughs) I don't think we need to expand on that. No, 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 we don't need to go anywhere with that one. Uh, Herb slams the door as he leaves. You know, Herb strikes me as it's like a fisherman that has never really caught a big fish and suddenly there's a big one on the line and he has no idea what to do. That is what Herb is like with Nikki now. Well, remember in uh, Real Families, but they came down on him pretty hard for not being a loyal husband. Yeah, and that was one of the things that he loaded up in that speech that he gave everybody was you had to call him a loyal husband. And here he is. He's not a loyal husband. And I think Herb has a lot of guilt issues with it, which is why he loaded it into that real family's monologue. He just can't help himself. We transition to Herb's personal suite. He opens the door. Nikki walks in with Herb following behind. He tells Nikki she does look Familiar. They must have met somewhere before. I already told you that. Herb tells Nikki not to tell him where he wants to guess. No, he really doesn't. But he tells Nikki to make herself comfortable. He'll put on some music. Herb tosses a coin in the air. He's being Mr. Cool. He is so cool. He catches it and inserts it into what looks like a clock radio sitting on a little table. He begins turning the dial to find some music. Ooh, nice bed. I love king-size beds, don't you? Nikki sits on the foot of the bed. We hear Rise by Herb Alpert playing from the little radio. Snapping his fingers as he coolly steps in time to the music, moving toward Nikki. What kind of a deal did Hugh Wilson get on Rise? I don't know. They use it it everywhere. It's all over the place. It's their go-to. So Herb dropped a quarter into a tabletop clock radio. Hotel Ocean View is a bit behind the times, but we were kind of talking about that. All the rooms looked like they were decorated in the 50s. Yeah. It's got a really old-time look to it. The heyday of the coin-op tabletop radio was actually the 1940s. RCA made several models, many that could be bolted to a tabletop to make sure they stayed in the room. A coin got you an hour of radio playtime. In the 1950s, coin-operated TVs started to appear in hotels and motels. But by the 1960s, most places made the radio and TV and included amenity and got rid of the coin-operated models. The one Herb is feeding looks like it might be a 60s-era GE or Philco model. Herb stops about four feet from Nikki. I like your mind. <laughs> Does uh, Vicky Von Vicky like king-size beds, too? Who cares? Nervous type? No, married. Married. I love the fact that you're married. It makes you even more attractive to me. Nikki pulls the skirt of her dress up past her knee, 
stopping about mid-thigh as she says this. So guilty Herb talking about being married, but that's like catnip to Nikki. Mm-hmm. Herb's looking at his reflection in the mirror over the headboard <laughs> of the bed. <laughs> he straightens his tie. Herb, can I be frank? You can be whoever you want. <laughs> Nikki laughs and says she loves a man with his sense of humor. Yeah, funny and married, that's me. <laughs> her, her walks closer to Nikki. Also an executive who's very interested in the Vicky Von Vicky account, if you get my drift, and I think you do. Nikki says she gets what he's saying as she pulls him down rather forcibly <laughs> next to her. And she begins rubbing his chest. Herb's right arm is around Vicky's shoulders. I hope you don't find me too aggressive. <laughs> Are you joking? She tells him that she is, and they both laugh. See, I can be funny, too. <laughs> Nikki takes Herb's left hand and begins kissing his wedding band and fingers. All the business going on here, the kissing, the pulling him down on the bed, and they keep such a straight face. They're doing <laughs> such an awesome job. It's so funny. Between kisses, Nikki tells her most men do find her too aggressive. I'm not most men. I knew that when you were president of the junior sales club in high school. Hold on now. In high school, Herb looks at Vicky and asks, they knew each other in high school? <laughs> Smiling Vicky says she's not telling. She gets up and walks to the light switch. While she turns the lights very low. Her. So low that we lose sight of yeah, her. It, it gets, gets so, so dark. dark. The camera can't find her. It's panning <laughs> trying to find her. Is there any reason why two mature adults shouldn't be intimate on the first date, married or otherwise? None that come to mind. Herb is smiling. Vicky walks over to the radio and turns up the volume. She then walks back toward the bed where she left Herb sitting, and the camera closes in on the clock radio as the screen blurs. And they do a really cool transition here, coming out of the fade, coming back into focus. We're now in Art and Andy's hotel mm -hmm. room. We see Andy standing now with one foot up on the arm of the chair because he can never yes. stay off the furniture. Andy's looking half asleep as he uses the remote to click through his slideshow noisily. Man, is it making a lot of noise. It does. Ka-chunk, ka-chunk. Ka ka the camera pans the room over to where Art's sitting at the bar. He's eating fruit. Art was in a fruit mood. Mickey <laughs> is behind the bar reading the comics. Carlson takes a bite from the piece of orange he's holding. You got the time, Mickey. Yeah. Mickey <laughs> continues to read the comics and eat peanuts. Could you uh, give me the time, Mickey? Yes. Mickey <laughs> continues eating peanuts. That is such an old joke. That's like kids level. It's yeah. it's elementary school. You want to slap him. But in the hands of these two, it's funny. <laughs> it is funny. So we hear the sound of the slides advancing ka-chunk as Andy clicks through the presentation during the conversation between Art and Mickey. Art finally rephrases his question. What time is it, Mickey? Mickey sticks out his arm, so this sleeve... <laughs> that was the combination. Mickey sticks out his arm, so the sleeve of his jacket rides up and has a look at his watch. 735, right? Art, thanks, Mickey. Suddenly, Andy stops clicking through the slides. I can't believe it. The bulb just won out. This is great. My projector's never done this to me before. Well, Carlson asks, what are they going to do now? Andy tells Carlson, well, they just need to find another bulb. He says it can't be that difficult to find a little projector bulb in Dayton 
at 7 o'clock in the evening. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> no problem at all. Andy asks Mickey if he has any suggestions. Ricky's. <laughs> Ricky's, Mickey. Andy asks him where Ricky's is, and Mickey tells him it's a couple of blocks east. I think what we're hearing here is late in the writer's room and a lot of scotch. <laughs> That's what all of this Ricky, Mickey, Nicky, Vicky, it's it's writer's room and scotch. Well, pointing to his right, Andy asks if East is that way. Mickey points in the opposite direction. That way. Andy quickly heads for the door, but Art stops him. He doesn't want to be there alone if the triple V shows up. Vicky, Von, Vicky. Andy says he has to go. They can't do their presentation without the projector. Without a ball, we have no presentation. Without a presentation, we got no client. Without client, we got no... Go. I will, Mr. Pill. Carlson tells Andy not to be gone long and to be careful. Dayton can be nasty after dark. <laughs> Andy puts his hand on Carlson's shoulder. I understand. Well, I care about you. And I care about you too, Mr. Carlson. But we got to stop talking this way in front of Mickey. <laughs> <laughs> Andy hurries out the door and Carlson goes back to sit at the bar. I think Dayton may be getting a bad rap in this episode. They're being too hard on Dayton. Dayton can be nasty after dark. Okay, we cut back to Herb's suite. Herb and Nikki are into some pretty serious making out on the bed. Pretty heavy petting. Yes. Nikki's telling Herb how wonderful he is. Well, Nikki's got Herb's number. Then, smiling, <laughs> she sits back and drops a bomb. Her. Yeah. I bet you'd never guess. What? <laughs> I was once a man. <laughs> oh, Nikki gives him one last kiss before getting up, taking her purse with her. <laughs> Herb's mind is blown. He is sitting there. He's in shock. He begins breathing heavily as he tries to make sense of what he just heard. Come on, Herb. Don't you remember me? Nick Sinkler, class of 64. It's Nick Sinkler. <laughs> Nikki goes into the bathroom. Herb slowly lies down on his side, folds his arms across his body, and pulls his knees up to his chest. That is the greatest physical bit. Slow motion. He And, and he's lying he's down. He's going fetal. <laughs> Now, we've run into sex reassignment storylines before. Remember in Less on a Ledge when Johnny mm -hmm. ran that Jennifer used to be a man scam on Herb. Our receptionist, the beautiful Jennifer Marlowe, is a result of the most cunningly successful sex change operation in the <laughs> world. kind of curious about the history of male-to-female sex reassignment surgery. The first documented case was in Germany in 1930. Unfortunately, the patient died just a few days after the final surgery. Now, Denmark had some successes in the 1950s. The first successful gender reassignment in the U.S. was performed by Los Angeles-based urologist Dr. Elmer Belt in the early 1950s. One of the most famous male-to-female transitions was Renee Richards. Well, actually, probably prior to Caitlyn Jenner. Uh, she transitioned in the mid-1970s and successfully advocated for transgender recognition in U.S. sports. Now, 
As for Linda Carlson, who is playing Nikki, as far as we know, she's never been a man. Nick Sinkler, class of 64. We come back to Carlson's and Andy's room. Carlson is nervously eating fruit and drinking his rum drink. Where's Herb? He should have been here by now. Mickey asks if it's okay if he plays a little music. Carlson tells him, yeah, go ahead. Mickey reaches under the bar and pulls out a small cassette player. He sets it on the bar and pushes the play button. We hear Takata and Fugue in D minor by Bach. It's interesting music. This piece by Bach is considered the most famous organ work in existence, but it was almost lost forever. It was most likely written in about 1704. A student of Bach's transcribed the piece around 1740. This transcription was the only known copy of the Toccata and Fugue in D minor in the world for nearly 100 years. In 1833, the piece was transcribed again and published in a volume of little-known organ works by Bach. By 1940, more than 200 years after it was written, it was included in Walt Disney's Fantasia, which rocketed it to popularity. The Toccata and Fugue in D minor is a favorite piece for Hugh Wilson, According to Jamie Weinman, Hugh also used it in Frank's Place. After listening to it for a little while, Carlson tells Mickey... It's interesting music. Mickey nods his head. Carlson asks for half a glass more of the fruity drink. Right, fruit art. He suggests a bamboozle, but Carlson tells him, hmm, no thanks. What's wrong? Don't you like the way I make a bamboozle? <laughs> well, Carlson tells him, uh, he makes a nice bamboozle. Nice? Only nice? Just nice? <laughs> so bamboozle is a funny word. We thought they might have just made it up as a drink name for the episode, but nope. We found not one, but two different bamboozle recipes. The New York Times lists a sherry-based bamboozle, but we don't think Mickey is mixing sherry. We think Mickey's bamboozle is a Jamaican island drink made with three different types of rum, bitters, grenadine, pineapple juice, and coconut extract. Garnish with a mango and pass out until morning. <laughs> <laughs> and you were wanting to sample a bamboozle, Well, huh? it sounds good to me. We but... don't have three different types of rum in the house right now. We're moving. Walmart run. Walmart run. <laughs> rum run. Rum run. How about a uh, bamboozle? Carlson begins to get nervous and he starts stuttering. Art says he meant to say he makes a great bamboozle. <laughs> Carlson is tripping over his words, trying to get back on the good side of Mickey. See, Mickey has messed with his head. I know it. And the bonding between these two is hilarious, how they have just become like best buds. <laughs> I think you make a great bamboozle. In fact, you probably make a bamboozle better than anybody I've ever seen make a bamboozle before. Yeah, I don't want to sound extreme, Mickey, but you, you probably make uh, the best bamboozle in the good world. Mickey tells Carlson he likes him. Carlson tells Mickey... He likes him, too. Mickey asks Art if he'd mind if he had a drink. Art tells Mickey he wishes he would. You know what I don't like, Art? What's that? I don't like drinking alone. Because when I drink alone, I get very sad. When I get sad, I get very angry. You sure you don't want to drink? Oh, I'd love one. Mickey asks if they could chat a while. <laughs> Art's all up for chatting. He says it's even his hobby. Mickey asks Art what he thinks about the Dayton Poisoner. I'm from Cincinnati. I, I don't you know much about him. but Mickey tells Carlson it's been all over the headlines. It's national news, world news even. Mickey tells Carlson he's been following the case very closely. 
cutting out all the newspaper clippings. He says he thinks about the case all the time. Mickey tells Carlson the poisoner is a loner who hates people. Carlson chuckles nervously. Especially happy. Carlson is feeling very <laughs> uncomfortable. He says he's going to mosey on down the hall and look for Herb. Larry Hankin is so good at being menacing in just a real subtle way. So Mickey tells Art he can't leave yet. Your Mickey special is ready. Okay, this is a little weird. He reaches under the bar and pulls out a pre-made drink in a small tumbler. Mm-hmm. That's suspicious. Get it? Mickey special. Mickey snickers as he looks at Art, waiting for him to taste the drink. Is it poison? Art's lip quivers as he takes a tiny little sip. Well, now we go back to Herb's suite. Herb is still <laughs> in the fetal position on his bed. Nikki's talking to him from the bathroom. Isn't this something? You and I together after all these years? We've both certainly been through some changes. Nikki tells Herb... He always turned her on. Man, don't say that. Nikki asks, why not? It's true. I knew it when we played football together. Herb asks her to not bring up football. She's ruining football for him. (laughs) You were mentioning about how Herb's deadpan delivery makes those lines so funny. Don't bring up football. Don't say that. (laughs) Don't bring up football. So Nikki tells Herb she felt like a freak back then. She was in the wrong body. Now I like me. I accept who I am. Lord. (laughs) Nikki tells Herb she knows what he's thinking. You're thinking God didn't make me this way. Well, God didn't make polyesters. Do you know what I'm saying, Herb? (laughs) I know what you're saying. I have no idea what it means. Now, that was an honorable mention as well. I know what you're saying. I have no, no idea, idea what, what it means. <laughs> Herb continues to lie on the bed, his knees drawn up to his chest. I'm a woman now, Herb. You hug this body. Herb groans. You kissed these lips. Oh, this is so painful. More groans from Herb. Oh, Herb, come on. What do you mean, come on? Don't you feel what I feel? What are you feeling? You and I together? Where? Here. When? Now. Excuse me. Herb quickly goes into the bathroom, and he lets go with a scream. Since we know Peter Tarakvi is going to transition to PJ Tarakvi about 20 years after this episode airs, you'd think this story was being pulled from PJ's experiences. Actually, it's not. Writer Stephen Campman based this episode on a sketch he'd originally written while with Second City. Campman played a character who goes to a convention and meets up with a woman played by Shelley Long. In the course of the skit, it's revealed that she used to be a he, and yes, they'd known each other in high school. I know what you're saying. I have no idea what it means. Back in Andy's and Carlson's suite, Carlson asks Mickey if he heard that scream. Well, Mickey says he's going to go down the hallway and check. He pulls out a gun from his jacket and tells Carlson to stay where he is. Mickey is just full of surprises. Carlson sees the gun. And he has the wrong idea. He covers his face and he begins pleading. I'm just a, a decent, unhappy man with a wonderful wife and family. I'll, I'll give you cash. Look, I've got, a, I've got a car downstairs you can have. I'd just like to have a Cordoba, Mickey. Mickey. He finally gets the courage to open his eyes. He looks up, looks around, 
Mickey is gone. And Art's ready to give away the Cordoba. <laughs> so Art starts for the door just as Herb comes in. Big guy, I've got problems. <laughs> Not now, Herb. You know Mickey the bartender? Yeah. He's Mickey the date poisoner. <laughs> So Art thinks he's got the poisoner, but Herb says that's nothing. Art tells Herb he's got a gun and he's coming back. Art wants to call the police from Herb's room. Herb tells Carlson, oh, no, they can't. Carlson is frantic and he asks why. Mickey Sinclair's in there and Mickey's a man. What? (laughs) Mickey's a man. I kissed him full on the lips. (laughs) Carlson asks Herb if he is insane. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) They hear Mickey coming back. Carlson tells Herb they can hide behind the doors. Quick, he shuts off the lights, and it's pitch black in the room. The door opens, and we hear scuffling noises, people struggling. Then we hear Andy's voice. Andy has shown up. I've got him. What the hell is going on? Who is that? Andy! Where have you been? Looking for a bulb in Dayton. What the hell is going on? Nicky's a man, and I kissed him on the lips. Mickey's a poisoner who shoots people. What? Why are we talking this way in the dark? <laughs> and then the Takata and Fugue in D minor begins playing again. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Herb asks what that is. Carlson explains it's Mickey's music. He plays it when he's unhappy. In the dark, we hear... Mickey. Yes, Andy? Are you, are you there? Mickey tells him, yes, he's there. Do you gentlemen always tumble around in the dark before a big meeting? <laughs> Carlson asks Mickey if he can ask a question. Go ahead, Art. Are you going to kill us? Suddenly, light fills the room. A woman we don't know is standing by the light switch. Herb, Andy, and Art are on their knees with their hands up in the air. <laughs> They turn to see who turned on the lights. Who are you? I'm Vicky Von Vicky. Who are you? And why are you praying in the dark? Because your account is very important to us. I love that cover by Herb. Your account's so important. Very to important us. to us. <laughs> Vicky Von Vicky is being played by Dr. Joyce Brothers. Is she an actress? A psychologist, a game show winner, or a boxing announcer? Well, actually, she's all of those things. Dr. Joyce Brothers was a fixture in print and on American television throughout the 1960s and 70s. She really is a psychologist with a doctorate from Columbia University. Born in Brooklyn in 1927, she first gained national prominence by winning the game show, the $64,000 question in 1955. She was not allowed to be quizzed on psychology since it was her professional field. Instead, she chose to be quizzed about boxing. Her husband, Milton Brothers, was a boxing fan, so he helped her study. Joyce has a true photographic memory. By studying intensely before the show, she was able to win the big prize, more than half a million in 2021 dollars. The exposure led to national TV appearances and a syndicated column about psychology. She appeared on The Tonight Show more than 90 times. This part on WKRP is kind of a departure for Dr. Brothers. Normally in her TV appearances, she played some sort of a doctor or therapist, sort of a fictionalized version of herself. 
She has 75 credits as an actress playing someone else and 138 credits where she appears as herself. Dr. Joyce Brothers died in 2013 at her home in Fort Lee, New Jersey. She was 85. And you mentioned that really she probably wasn't the best actress. She's better playing herself, right? Yeah, that seems like it to me. Not yeah. a whole lot of acting. Uh... It wouldn't. A little stiff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think at the time she might have been a stunt cast because she was so well-known throughout the 60s and 70s. I'm Vicky Von Vicky. Andy hurries over to shake Vicky's hand and introduces himself. I'm Andy Travis, uh, program director of WKRP in Cincinnati. This is Arthur Carlson, general manager, and this is uh, uh, Herb uh, Tarlick, executive sales manager. Vicky points to Mickey and asks who he is. Oh, uh, Mickey, bartender, Dayton. No, that's Mickey, the Dayton Poisoner. Wrong. That's Mickey Broadhead, full-time cop, part-time bartender. Is that right, Mickey? Mickey tells Carlson it's true. I thought you said you'd be right back, Herb. <laughs> Sorry, Nick. I lied, man. <laughs> I lied, man. <laughs> and his delivery now. Has he's changed completely. He's not trying to schmooze up to her no. now. It's, he's talking to her like it's, she's a guy. <laughs> Pointing her thumb at Herb, Vicky asks Nikki if she knows this man. Nikki tells Vicky they went to high school together. Andy tells Vicky he sees no reason for them to waste her valuable time trying to describe the chain of events. That led up to your, uh, the rather awkward moment when you came in, turned on the lights, and found us three competent businessmen on our knees. That's the past, this is the present. The point is, uh, we're all here, so why don't we just uh, start the meeting, huh? <laughs> Vicky Von Vicky tells them that her life is dedicated to jeans. Nothing but jeans. And so, as far as I'm concerned, I saw three pair of jeans on the floor. Herb tells her that they love them. Yeah, gosh, a little tight in the crotch, but, but not. Oh, why don't we... <laughs> Andy. I'm still riding up for art. Andy asks everyone to sit down. He then offers to get Vicky Von Vicky something to drink. Something with a little bit of fruit in it would be nice. Oh, <laughs> Mickey tells her that he's out of fruit. Give me a bamboozle. Mickey's legendary bamboozle is known throughout town. Uh, but how did she know about it? She didn't she know didn't Mickey. She didn't know Mickey, but she knows about the bamboozle. Yeah. It must precede him. It's a him. popular drink It's his there. reputation, yeah. So Andy has squatted down next to Vicky, and he begins to tell her how they feel that their station has the best market range for selling her jeans in the Cincinnati area. I think Andy's blowing a lot of smoke. Why talk sales? Well, I can show you graphic slides to illustrate that very point. Andy asks Mickey to turn out the lights. He projects the first slide. All of them appear shocked at what they see. Art covers his face. <laughs> Vicky covers her eyes. Andy's staring in disbelief. Nikki shakes her head. Herb's eyes are just wide and his mouth falls open. I have no idea where that pornographic slide came from. <laughs> we hear him click as the slide changes. Now this, of course, is my trip to Jamaica. <laughs> and the screen fades to black. Okay, so before the bulb blew, wasn't Andy running through the presentation? Yeah, he was looking at all those slides. Well, it was a good gag, but I really don't think he'd have accidentally left a pornographic slide in the mix. Now, you know, WKRP blogger and proud Canadian Roy Penny has a theory that Andy's just bad at his job. And he said this this just further supports that fact that I think he just has a lot of bad luck. Well, we come back to the lobby where we see Jennifer enter and walk over to the monitor to turn the volume up. The song Sailing by Christopher Cross is playing. As Jennifer sits down at her desk, 
Les and Bailey come in. We hear Les giving Bailey advice. Maybe that he loves you just for your body. And your advice? Lose him. Hold out for the real thing. I am the real thing. And Les is giving dating advice? Yeah. Hmm. So, Sailing by Christopher Cross was on the monitor. This is a huge number one from one of the most explosive debut albums ever released. First off, his name is not Chris Cross. He was born Christopher Charles Geppert in 1951. Cross is known for his smooth and emotive vocals, but he's also a killer guitar player. He's so good, Walter Becker and Donald Fagan have invited him to sit in with Steely Dan. The number one hit, Sailing, comes from his 1979 self-titled debut. This album also featured top 20 hits, Ride Like the Wind, Never Be the Same, and Say You'll Be Mine. Say You'll Be Mine. Say You'll Be Mine sunshine. Say You'll Be Mine. Bring me the dream of lifetime. Michael McDonald did backing vocals on Ride Like the Wind. And Nicolette Larson can be heard on Say You'll Be Mine. Cross was the first artist in Grammy history to win all four general categories. At the 1981 ceremonies, he picked up Record of the Year and Song of the Year for Sailing, Album of the Year for his debut, and Best New Artist. No one would do that again until Billie Eilish pulled it off in 2020. Andy comes sauntering in and says good morning to Jennifer. Jennifer asks how the trip went. Well, my projector exploded. It's never happened before. Uh, Herb had a very touching reunion with an old high school friend, used to be a guy, is now a girl. And uh, Mr. Carlson uh, mistook an undercover cop for the Dayton Poisoner. It was, it was great. Well, what fun. So is Vicky Von Vicky a client? I don't think she's going to sue, if that's what you mean. He heads back to his office, telling Jennifer if anyone needs him, he'll be looking for his gun. There Another he is with reference, his, with yes. his gun again, yeah. Venus and Johnny come into the lobby to fill their coffee mugs. They greet Jennifer. Mr. Carlson comes in, looking very tired. Morning, AC. Trip successful? She's not going to sue us, if that's what you mean. <laughs> I'll be in my office all day, Jennifer, alone. Very alone. And I'd say Art and Andy both have a very low bar for <laughs> success. Hey, at least we're not getting sued. <laughs> Herb walks in and heads straight for the bullpen. Johnny and Venus greet Herb. How are you? Nice day. Herb looks at them suspiciously. Why? <laughs> well, I take it the trip went okay, Herb. Look, I don't know what they told you. But she's not a she. And if I kissed him, it doesn't mean that I'm gay, okay? <laughs> 
Johnny and Venus look at each other, having no idea what he's talking about. They just shrug their shoulders. Herb heads back to the bullpen, paranoid as can be. Johnny and Venus greet each other. Good morning. How are you? Nice day. Mm. <laughs> Clink their coffee mugs and head on back to the studio. <laughs> and that's going to do it for Hotel Ocean View. What is up for next week, Donna? We will be discussing a mile in my shoes. Herb gets called to jury duty. Andy takes over the sales department in Herb's absence, and he discovers just how tough the radio sales biz is. Andy appoints Venus as acting program director while he's gone. That's going to do it for this episode of the WKRP cast. If you'd like to watch along with us, make sure to check our show notes. Find us on social media. Follow our Facebook page at WKRPcast. And for more WKRP fun, become a patron. Go to patreon.com slash WKRPcast. We've got behind-the-scenes fun, full interviews, and more. Got a question, comment, or correction? Let us know about it. Write us, WKRPcast at gmail.com. And remember to please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening. Bye. May the good news be yours. WKRP cast is not endorsed by MTM Enterprises, Shout Factory, or CBS. This podcast is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. WKRP in Cincinnati, the WKRP logo, and all names, pictures, and audio of WKRP in Cincinnati characters are registered trademarks of MTM, CBS, Shout Factory, or their respective copyright holders. Almost forgot, fellow babies. Booger!